0: everyone, and welcome to Schrodinger's Chats, the first Penridge CSO-hosted podcast. I'm Austin Rosybaugh.
1: I'm Sophia Goodson. I'm Alyssa Anderson.
0: And I'm Ben Steinman. In our pilot episode, we'll be discussing the history of coal in Pennsylvania, its effects both, both in the past and present, and what paths we can take regarding coal in the future to make for a healthier environment. So first, Ben is going to talk about the history of coal in PA so we get a background of it and what we can learn from the future.
2: All right, so we're going to go way back to geological history. So in the Pennsylvanian era, which is aptly named, actually, there was a bunch of organic matter deposited in our area, particularly in the west of Pennsylvania. And this organic matter was the result of swamps and, you know, areas with lots of life. Um, so 330 to 265 million years ago, all this swampland died out, and it was crushed into, um, a substance that's called peat, and during an activity period in geological history called the Appalachian Revolution, literally, like, mountains would split open and fold over onto themselves, and with all that pressure and action, this peat got squished down into what we call coal, so where it was squished down the hardest, we call that anthracite. And this would this will come up later in our talk, and where it got squished down pretty hard enough to change, um, you know its chemical structure, but not quite hard enough as anthracite, is a type of coal called bituminous, which I just learned how to say. <laughs> so we're gonna flash forward to um, prior to colonization, so pre, you know 1492 really. So Native Americans did know about coal and its uses. But that was primarily in the west of our continent. So the, the group of Indians that really used coal the most were the Hopi people who fired clay pots with coal. But those who didn't live in the southwest really, from my understanding, did not make use of coal. Now, on the other hand, colonists who had lived in our area knew about coal since the 1600s but really it was not efficient to be mining it and if you know any of your colonial history the colonies were not meant to be manufacturing stuff so really coal was not being used in factories it wasn't used industrially at the time so in pennsylvania the first bituminous coal seam was discovered at what's called coal hill now it's called mount washington in 1784. so that was the first big pocket of coal, something that could be used um, efficiently, you know. So, even though bituminous coal was used from that pocket and other ones like it, anthracite coal really, really dominated afterwards shortly, because unlike bituminous coal, anthracite is squished down really, really hard in its forming process. So what that means is that it burns without smoke, it burns without, you know, other residue, and it burns with more energy, so people just gravitated towards that type of coal. So then, in 1831, that's really when the coal industry and iron industry really kicked off, so there was a process called the hot blast, which allowed for more iron production and also necessitated a lot more coal use, too. So by 1830, just, you know, to get to get a bearing with the time. Pittsburgh consumed 400 tons of coal per day. And something that's interesting is that at this point, it was used for, quote unquote, light industrial usage. And it was also used domestically. So you can see a change from colonial times and pre-colonial times where it wasn't used all that much and in the 19th century where it is coming into use. (laughs) So then towards the industrial revolution, coal became the most widely used energy source. But the thing is, by that time, all that good anthracite coal had run dry. Nobody knew where to find any more of it. So they decided to go back to the bituminous coal, which does produce smoke, does produce more pollution, but it still was an efficient energy source compared to timber or anything else. And for the next 60 years, that would provide uh, half of the US energy grid. And even at its peak, it contributed up to three-quarters of the energy grade. And coal did see a drop in the 1950s, but starting in really the 1970s to today, really, um, you know, just recently in the past couple of years, it dropped. But really to today, we've been seeing coal spike up again. And that is a brief history of coal in Pennsylvania <laughs> and in the U.S.
3: Wow, well, thank you so much also. I don't think I've ever known so much about coal history. Yeah,
2: there you go. Fantastic.
3: (laughs) Um, Next, I, Sophia, am going to talk about the environmental impacts of coal around the world and in Pennsylvania specifically. But first, just a little bit like um, Ben had mentioned, I'm going to talk about what coal is. So according to the World Coal Association, coal is a fossil fuel and is the altered remains of prehistoric vegetation that originally accumulated in swamps and peat bogs. So when we burn this coal, we get the the energy that we get from is the same energy that those previous plants absorbed from the sun through photosynthesis. So the issue with coal in general is it has a huge negative impact on the environment. A impact on the air pollution for the environment is sorry. Um, So coal has a huge impact on the air quality around the world. Because coal is so carbon-based, it causes a large impact on the air quality after being burned. This is from the the Union of Concerned Scientists. Coal releases bad chemicals such as mercury, lead, sulfur dioxide, nitrogen oxides, particulates, and other heavy metals. This can cause asthma, breathing difficulties, brain damage, heart problems, cancer, neurological disorders, and premature death. So as you can tell, a lot of the air pollution from coal is pretty negative. Coal can also cause a major issue when it comes to water pollution. After burning coal, you are left with ashes. Coal-fired power plants can produce more than 100 million tons of coal ash each year. And more than half of the said ash can end up in ponds, lakes, landfills, and more, where it will, over time, contaminate waterways and drinking water water supplies this contaminates water and can even cause living things to ingest bad chemicals that may have negative impacts another negative impact on the environment comes to global warming global warming is as we know so far coal's most serious long-term global impact when coal is burned the released carbon reacts with oxygen and produces carbon dioxide which is a heat-trapping gas that the coal and the coal in the U.S. alone burns accounts for almost one-fourth of all energy-related carbon emissions that get put into our ozone layer. Lovely. (laughs) I got more. So a little more about how it impacts Pennsylvania specifically is according to the penfuture.org, coal power plants still supply 23% of Pennsylvania's energy. While these coal plants are on a major decline, they still are leaving A huge mark on the environment. I read in an article from earthjustice.org to learn what it was like to live next to one of these coal power plants. A woman who has lived next to the plants most of her life and absolutely hates it. She has lots of health issues due to the pollution and states that the plant is filthy, dirty, and noisy, and unhealthy. After just one week, large amounts of soot can build up on the side of her house to the point where it is almost hard to clean it every week. Ever since she's moved next to the plant, she's felt as though she's had a cold for 21 years, with symptoms such as chronic cough, runny nose, headaches, and sinus infections. Another neighbor of the coal plant says that it makes so much noise you can't even sleep at night. He says that most of the children who grow up there live get asthma, and he tells all of his children that as soon as they're out of high school to move away as soon as possible. Not only does coal have a major impact on the beautiful planet, it creates a large disturbance to those who must live around it. Yeah.
1: Wow. Well, it's kind of darning. <laughs> yeah,
3: a <well> little depressing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Sophia, for showing us that with positives of energy use and energy for more people comes negatives, such as health effects from coal. So I'm here to talk about clean coal this t- today, and clean coal... Is a way to reduce coal's harmful effect on the environment and those people surrounding it. So, when burned, coal releases harmful substances, namely sulfur, mercury, chlorine, nitrogen oxides, and carbon dioxide. These substances are what are released into and pollute the environment. Sulfur, for instance, when released from burning coal, combine, can, can combine with water or air, forming sulfuric acid. This is the primary component of acid rain, which leads to contaminated water and deforestation, which are Uh, Acid rain isn't a big issue in the environmental world of today. So extracting it from coal, sulfur that is, is a good thing environmentally. According to an article published by the European Commission CORDIS, or the Community Research and Development Information Service, a technique entitled TDT-3R, or Thermal Desorption Technology Recycled Reduce Reuse, which is where the three R comes from, this technique effectively extracts 95% of organic sulfur from the coal before it is burned in the power generator plant. This is accomplished by utilizing a continuously operating closed-loop reactor, according to photos. From here, the coal, now removed from 95% of the harmful sulfur, is indirectly heated in a vacuum, undergoing a process called carbonization. Here, volatile matter is removed from the coal, which in turn increases the carbon content of the coal. So this is the first step of clean coal, removing the sulfur. There is another big technology called CCS technology, or carbon capture and storage. This technology handles dealing with a large amount of CO2 emissions, the primary harmful greenhouse gas, which we know as CO2, from burning coal and coal plants. The CCS technology combines a synthetic mixture of gases called syngas with steam to clean hydrogen and carbon dioxide. The CO2 is captured, compressed, and ready for the real purpose of CCS, which is transport and storage. It is sent through pipelines several miles below the Earth into open, rocky areas. Ideal storages for this are old oil and gas fields because they already have been dug up previously. So it's ideal to reuse them for the storage of carbon because they're not going to be used anytime soon because they're underground and open. That's clever. <laughs>
2: yes,
0: it is a clever technology. And if no area like that is available near where the plant is, anywhere with porous rock under the ground is suitable for the carbon dioxide to eventually chemically bind or bind with the rock over time. So it doesn't even have to be an open space, it just has to be somewhere with porous rock and somewhere where humans won't intervene with over time. One famous CCS plant named Petronova, which is located 30 miles southwest of Houston, has been in operation since 2016 and captures about 1.6 million tons of carbon dioxide each year. This plant utilizes a carbon capture capture strategy called post-combustion CO2 capture. What it does is it captures the CO2 as it is emitted into flue gas, which is just the produced exhaust gas from the coal plant. The plant uses a chemical solvent that binds with the CO2 and separates it from the rest of the flue gas. It is then sequestered and transported for storage in one of those places that I previously mentioned. So all in all, this strategy of coal power is dubbed clean because the coal is stripped of sulfur before burning, which would release harmful sulfuric fumes and produce acid rain in turn, and also most of the greenhouse gas carbon dioxide is captured and stored after the burning before it can escape into the atmosphere and environment. So today, clean coal is a real strategy that is being utilized, although not on the biggest scale that we can anticipate yet because only a few plants are utilizing the CCS technology, but it is sure to grow in the future or be replaced with green energy.
1: That's definitely, I mean, one solution to the issues we're having right now. However, coal is a limited resource and most methods of coal production are not done in a clean way. And so it's kind of agreed that in order to cut back on pollution, other energy options need to be explored. Um, while there are like countless energy alternatives to coal, um, I kind of looked into a couple of sources that might make the most sense for Pennsylvania specifically to um, look into. Um, the first one is natural gas, um, and which we're already the number two producer of in the country, uh, right behind Texas. Natural gas is primarily made up of methane and is usually extracted by drilling wells. While it's not a renewable energy source, the switch from coal to natural gas has drops, has dropped PA's carbon emissions by 30%. On the flip side of that, the production of natural gas can create methane leaks. Um, methane is a strong greenhouse gas, which can cause significantly more damage to the atmosphere than carbon dioxide does, um, because it's able to absorb more heat and it heats up the atmosphere faster, basically. <clears throat> However, most reports agree that not enough methane is leaked for it to surpass coal and air pollution. Um, so basically, natural gas is slightly better option than coal but not by a whole lot, and it's also a limited resource. Um, Another method or source of energy would be nuclear energy. Um, As far as renewable energy sources are concerned, um, this is probably the one that is most viable for PA. We currently have eight nuclear power plants throughout the state, which produced about 39% of our electricity in 2018. Nuclear power plants create energy by using nuclear fission to heat up water, which then turns into steam. That steam is then used to spin large turbines to produce electricity. Um, this method is considered more environmentally friendly than coal or natural gas due to the fact that it doesn't put emissions into the atmosphere. Another plus to the nuclear power is that it's more reliable than other renewable energy sources since it doesn't rely on the weather, you know, like. Sun panels and wind turbines and stuff like that. Coal
3: alternatives are fantastic, but what happens to all the old mining towns whose coal factories are being shut down?
1: You know, that's a good question. Um, The Department of Community and Economic Development for Pennsylvania, it's a long name, but they have come up with playbooks for shut down coal plants across the state that outline plans for repurposing the old coal mines or the old sites. These playbooks are given to prospective businesses or local authority figures who might be interested in buying or utilizing the old sites. Current plans include converting the sites into things such as natural gas power plants, warehouses, or data centers. Repurposing these old coal sites help alleviate the common fears that come with fading out coal in general, um, such as lower employment rates and ruining local economies since a lot of Especially in Pennsylvania, there there's a lot of towns where th- that's what they rely on is the coal industry.
2: So this,
0: uh, if the plant did get converted to a different facility of some sort, would the workers that were previously working at the plant just get transferred to that new job, or would they have to like, reapply, but they'd have a higher chance of like, getting the job?
1: Well, I'm sh- since the majority of like the people in those towns are employed at those plants, they would the people in the employment pool like they wouldn't so and they would have to be retrained obviously because it's a different job but I mean there's no really competition I guess you can say because like they're the only they would be the people looking for jobs in that town basically
3: In, in most cases when something like that happens if there's a plant and there's a lot of workers there and it does the plant does switch over to do something else they tend to try and keep the workers because they know the layout and the environment well. As well as, if, have you ever seen The Office, the show? So And yeah. you guys? Office yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know how it's the paper company, for me, Dunder Mifflin, but then they switch over to be the, like, tender Company near the end, they're still Dunder Mifflin, but they kind of switch over. They still kept almost all the same interface, So it's like, kind of <laughs> like that. A little analogy for
2: all listeners. <laughs> yeah. At
3: home.
2: So, Austin, I have a question for you. Sure. So, the jobs that Alyssa brought up sound really, really interesting. So, I was wondering, for those old coal mines that you were mentioning that can be used for um, the carbon capture method, once that capture method is, like, finished, per se, would they be able to be used, for, like, as land for new jobs in green energy? Or is that land kind of, I don't want to say unusable, but not suitable for for further development? Well, I believe that where they store the carbon in that big pocket of
0: open air is actually underground. Oh, okay. Because they don't okay, want okay. the carbon to mm-hmm. escape into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So, theoretically, in the, in the future, you know, it could get eroded. And, you know, discovered me again and used, but for the for the time being, and you know, the
2: foreseeable future, it's underground. So that's okay. possible. All right, fair enough. Thank you. We to So another,
3: I mean, I don't know if Alyssa or Austin would be able to answer this question. So I've heard a lot about how certain coal mines that might be out of use are still smoldering. Like some of them are on fire. Do you guys mm-hmm. have any idea of how? Like this is a little off the your tracks but how we could stop those or do you think we could in some way capture the energy that they're burning from to use as another source of energy since it's already being burned
0: i suppose you could use the slower process of the carbon capture strategy in in some way like if it's coming out of uh you know like a, a pipe or a Uh, Smokestack, then I guess you could find a slip from there. But if it's just like erratically like out of the plane itself, I don't know how much you could do about that. It depends on how it's leaking, yeah.
2: But I'm thinking of, um, you know, those pictures that you see from Centralia, PA, yeah, it's like a big like like fissure in the earth and it's like Mm -hmm. built with fire, yes. I feel like, and this is just me, you know, (laughs) ad-libbing, but um. I feel like, you know, since that fire is kind of, I don't want to say uncontrollable, but it's a little, you know, the sun, when we use a solar panel, we can direct it in a certain angle, we can, you know, design it to be most efficient, whereas I feel like a fire, yes, it is an energy source, but, um, I don't know if we have the means today, you know, currently to be yeah, recapturing like, that energy. Make fire, it efficient. That, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, at least in an kind efficient of yeah. way. Yeah,
3: we should definitely take a field trip to go visit that way. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Um,
2: cool. Our next podcast is going to be um, hosted from Centralia. Yes. yes. All <laughs> <laughs>
3: right. Um, do we want to like just talk about kind of not debate, but talk about what we think would be a better source or better use, either doing the clean coal or finding a different alternative? Sure. Because we now learned all these great different <laughs> point of views and perspectives mm-hmm.
1: on it. So, oh, no, go, no, go ahead. Okay. I mean, personally, I think that, like, the carbon capture method. Um. I think that's a good place to start, especially since, there, we're still relying on coal. But obviously, coal is eventually gonna we're gonna run out of it, and. Once we do, we're gonna have to have other options.
3: That's very true.
1: And I think the earlier we start looking into the other options, the better, the smoother the transition from coal to no coal, like yeah. will be. Mm-hmm.
3: That's a good point. Plus, with the carbon capture, that sounds like really great. But I'm just thinking, what if? you know, something happens and the cave that's holding all this carbon mm-hmm. opens up or there's like a major leak and it explodes or something happens and then all of a sudden a mass amount of carbon is released into the the like atmosphere. What would that do to our planet in general? Like, do you think that would put a bigger hole in our ozone layer or do you have any... and I don't know if we you know or if that could even happen, but... I don't
0: know. I don't, I don't know if it would, like, how long it would be. Is it like- would still be in a gaseous state, or already, like, binding with the rocks, but not completely Yeah. harmless. So it might not be, like, you know, like, a rock, like, a pool of Yeah, it might not be, like, the, the end
3: of the world, but... Yeah. <laughs>
2: oh, and also, I wanted to bring up, that reminded me, there's a whole, like, species of minerals or subgroup called the carbonate minerals, and all of them are literally, like, it's, like, carbon and oxygen, like, that's what they're finding. Which me wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. um, So anyways, I wanted to bring that up because, you know, this isn't something that's like, you know, like, we're like bastardizing the earth. Like, carbonate minerals are a thing. Yeah. We use them every day. They're in our ground. Yeah, So, definitely. So yeah. fixing, you know, the composition of carbonate dioxide into minerals is, you know, it happens in nature
3: to no, know because that's what i was saying i was like are we just going to put this random thing that our planet's not used
2: to into the ground
0: like kind of sweeping the dirt under the rug kind of was like oh well, wait we'll worry about it later like it doesn't matter at the rate of this technology progressing i think that few years time trying to have even like better efficiency
3: before or even find a use for the carbon
0: yeah true so i think that like you know the
2: end result of coal really isn't kind of the question
0: yet.
3: That's true. But mm-hmm. it is
2: finite, so we should, of course, be looking towards renewable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But for the time being, I do think it's a totally good use of our time. Um, and I know like other countries are exploring this too, but I think it's a good good use of everybody's time, I guess, to be you know like really hunkering down on this carbon sequestration yep. yeah. and stuff because, like, realistically we aren't going to be able to to just snap our fingers and do away with coal especially in our state where a lot of our economy has been based on coal for the last yeah yeah who knows so um <laughs> <laughs> who knows not like i looked into the history or anything no but, um but um yeah i i i think that's a really you yeah. know worthwhile use of our time and I think it's not asking too much of, you know, the scientific community to, A, look into how we can more responsibly handle coal, like, in the present moment, and, B, look forward and say, okay, coal's not going to last forever, like, you know, like, yeah, again, talking about what I said, people ran out of anthracite coal, and then they had to adapt, yeah, you know, so in terms of coal history, even, this isn't something that's like brand new we've had to change how we how we use coal anyways so i don't think it's too much to ask for people to be a thinking about how we can handle coal today and also how we can deal with our lack of coal in the future which is probably coming up soon
3: i mean if you look into (laughs) places like iceland they don't use the whole uh, non-renewable resources they use all like solar power and they have although it also has to do with the geography of their country, but they have, um, I forget what they're called, they're like the big steam thingies where like you put a hole and steam comes spurting out of the ground, you don't mean? Yeah, yeah yes. they have, <laughs> so they use a lot of geothermal energy, like they can bake bread in this pot of sand because of how hot oh, wow. it can get from down below, mm-hmm. which is like really interesting, and maybe the United States could explore different parts of our geography because mm-hmm. we could use our land to create more energy.
2: Hold me, going
3: to be our new
2: energy group.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but, but a common misconception is that people think that the transition from non renewable renewable to renewable will be instantaneous. That's true. It,
3: it can't. You're <laughs> saying about yeah. the yeah.
0: economy being based off of it, it has to be a gradual change. Yeah. Which, of course, we should start sooner rather than later, but yeah, it's going to take time so that Mm -hmm. other things don't have repercussions.
3: So really, I guess our final decision is we need to have a mixture. Yeah. You know, work on the clean coal to help make things last longer and help our environment. We also need to look at making new options to fall back on once our coal, you know, dies out, I guess we'd say.
0: One hundred. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right, so that does it for this episode of Schrodinger's Chats. Thank you for listening, and you can go check out www.chiefscienceofficers.org if you'd like to learn more about this wonderful organization. You can go check the link in our bio to see our sources and learn more about the four of us. We hope to see you in our next episode. Thank you for listening.
1: Bye! See <laughs>